Now, it's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson. Everything and anything football, it's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. We're going to talk about consistency very, very quickly. Uh, example of something that's inconsistent. David Cameron and loads of senior Tories on Nelson Mandela. Example of something that's inconsistent. So that, that is consistent, sorry. Uh, that's, that was an example of something inconsistent. An example of something consistent. Me on Gareth Barry. Uh, Gareth Barry is a marvellous footballer. I've been saying this for many years. He demonstrated it again yesterday at the Emirates, Dave Downey. Um, it's, it's fast getting into as much, if not more, than you could have hoped for it with the change of manager in the summer for Evertonians. It is. It's um, it, it's it's entering unknown waters for us, I think, this now. Um, Actually going to football matches and thinking we've got a chance of winning them. But every game, though. <laughs> yes. Know, uh, which I, I think I'm going to get onto a little bit later. Brings its own pressure on these games coming up because if you look at our fixture list between now and the derby, there's not that many big guns in there. I think the hardest one's possibly West Brom or Swansea away, um, which I think will bring it to a different kind of pressure, which I think, Martin, is a, is a whole new challenge. But judging on the past week in which I haven't been here, um, it's been a phenomenal sort of uh, realization. It's been sort of it's been heralded as a new a, a new era. You know, there's with everyone's second team now. <laughs> you know, it, it's these. Almost mine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Liverpool fans giving out compliments to Evertonians. It uh, it really has reached new heights, and uh, I think yesterday was a a, a real. It was a proud performance because I thought it would have been easy to approach this as like a free game, mm. having beat United away, uh, and nobody be nobody would have begrudged Everton losing that game. I don't think, obviously not a thrashing, but by the odd yeah. goal or whatever. But um, it was real mature performance, and I thought, well, what's going on? He brings Dale Lafay on. I'm thinking we're going for this here. I'm, I'm just still not used to. Still can't get my head round it. I'm still thinking a point's a good result at Arsenal. Let's put another attacker on. It, it, it just doesn't really. It, it's hard to grasp. I think I think it's fascinating. I think that it's. Uh, I think things would be generally very different if the start. Of the se- if if you know, a couple of those draws had turned into defeats at the start of the season. Yeah. If then you know you don't. If Chelsea score early against you, they probably should have had the chances to do earlier in the season. And therefore, you know, the manager's under a little bit of pressure. The point now is that the manager's under absolutely no pressure. He can look at nil nil. You know, a bit of time left in the game at, at the Emirates and think, we can get all three. And not have to think, I need the points, I've got to conserve and get the points. Instead, he can he can openly think, we can try and get all three here. And I think that's so liberating for a football manager, really. I don't think it's a situation that Rodgers is fortunate enough to be mm. in yet. Uh, but now I think that that's, that's the most liberating factor of all this for Martinez. He's able to go to these places and rather than expecting to lose, he's freed of the fear of defeat. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing about it. And it's not, it isn't as though it's wave after wave of constant attack. It's much more intelligent than that still. But now, you know, with the points that have been amassed, what's on the board, the reality that Everton aren't going to finish below below eighth, um, you know, it really frees him up to, to maybe really push for a genuine top four place. Mm-hmm. You know, three points at the weekend. And you'd have been looking at Everton thinking they've got every chance mm-hmm. from here on in of, 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 of holding this and sustaining this because of the way everyone's taking points off everyone else. It was a, it was a terrific performance, first half especially. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think... I th- I think it all comes from that, that stability and calm in midfield that, uh, that that Barry and McCarthy are demonstrating every single week. And it's it's the complete opposite. Whilst it's still high-tempo, fast-paced football at its best, similar to what Moyes was doing, it's not about transitions. It's not about we nip back in, in, in sneaky areas. It's very much about getting a grip of the football, getting a grip of the game, imposing Everton's football on the game. Uh, last week while you were away, 
I, I said we should, we've got to do it. We've got to get you to the People's Club, and we've got to bring back School of Science. Yeah. And I think that this is so because well, this it's is one of the banners, isn't it? That tells at the moment uh, School of Science reopens sixth yeah. of June, twenty thirteen. And it's it's I think it's fabulous to see, and I think it's I, 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 at some point I think it's going to be difficult, and I'm always intrigued as to what happens when sides start to play Everton in their own ground yeah. and think we'll take a point, and I think that's what you're saying. That's the challenge <clears> that is to come. But at the moment, those two results are fabulous, and whilst you know there's a lot of goal mouth action at Old Trafford, you know ultimately the better football was played by the visitors well I think the, the, the thing I pick it up on what you said a little bit earlier was you know you, you see these sorts of performances from teams a lot of seasons you'll see a team go to Old Trafford and ruffle a few feathers I think Bill Bow did it in the Europa League yeah. uh, like the season before last and you sort of think well that's great that approach but there's, there's always a catch somewhere as in you can't play that way without sacrificing defensive liability, for instance. Yeah. That doesn't seem to be the way with this side. I had a couple of debates on Twitter about this that people were saying, well, look, you know, you look when Everton get in possession at Old Trafford, they're, they're pushing five, six, seven men forward and leaving gaps at the back. But that, that's not the way it is with Gareth Barry. I think it's the linchpin of all of this because you've got him, who's, he, he has that level of intel- intelligence and maturity that he probably can go forward if he wanted to, but he sits and protects that back forward that is still there. So when we've got players charging on with energy, like, I mean, Oviedo has been a revelation yeah. in the last week, Coleman as well. We've got players with real pace you can get up and down. It's not just about charging forward, staying there and then thinking, oh God, we've still got a decent back four yeah. on the counter-attack. And that sort of was epitomised against Arsenal, I thought, because Arsenal play that game. Arsenal, if if you're attacking Arsenal, they're, they're quick, they're, you know, they're they're so fast at getting back at you that that is where one of their main threats come from and it simply wasn't the case at all and I think we've got so many legs there's energy the one word that I think even the players have been using this week is arrogance and you know, it's it's well. I certainly don't remember any Everton side in my lifetime um, having that sort of level of arrogance, control. It's brash. It's it's bitting. It's in your face. It's 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 big. And, and and you know, it's it's such a it's so nice and easy on the eye. Well, it's football that you want to see. Yeah. That's what's you know what's fascinating. It's football that everyone wants to see. It's football on the front foot, and it's football that backs itself. Yeah. And I think that that's the you know, it's it's not football that it's not fearful at any point. And I think that that's what's you know that's the biggest difference, but I think that's also what's most compelling about watching it. Mm. You know these players that that are, mm. that are theoretically better players in a few positions dotted around, but what's noticeable is there's a real balance and harmony to what Everton yeah. do that I, th- I don't think many other sides have got. I think Arsenal have got it, but I, I think that you know this season you've looked at sides that seem that they either seem unbalanced from one flank to another, like Liverpool have done at times. They either seem unbalanced in different areas of the pitch. Tottenham Hotspur being a very very good example of that lack of balance. You know, th- there's yeah Everton appear to have everything sort of in working order that they may theoretically be better left backs knocking around than Brian Oviedo. Of yeah. course there are, but the reality of it is that he's just fitted in perfectly to the way in which Everton go about their business. Yeah, you could thoroughly understand if Everton were doing this and still conceding two, three goals. That would actually be understandable and you'd still say, well, at least he's having a go. And that'd still be refreshing to a lot of Evertonians because it's a different, a lot more bold of an approach than what we did under Moyes. But we're getting clean sheets with it. It just seems to be all meshing together and the cogs are fitting everything's in the right place and uh, you know it, I, I don't want to get above my station because I, I, I 
don't know what the season's going to hold because we still expect the sides like Chelsea, like City, to come on strong. Evan, by no means, title contenders. I've seen it one lad on Twitter who was getting getting absolute abuse down the nines for uh, for suggesting that Evan were title challenges. But having said that, I, I go back to something you said a little bit earlier. I think if you're gonna, you can't target top four without targeting top one or two at the moment because yeah. it's that tight. So Evan Iron title challenges in any, any sense of the word. But I think if you if you get, you might as well punch for the stars. Well, this you know? is this is where I can get it now. I think genuinely there's that feeling that any game now is is a possible three points. Yeah, and I think that that's hugely liberating for a football team. Any game now is a possible three points. It's a it's a very good carrot to dangle in front of a football team that they can go anywhere and get a result. That they can pick a side apart. That yeah. they can hold hold a, a lead once they've got one. Uh, you know, it's noticeable that uh, the, one of the issues with the, the the United result is almost it's almost slightly devalued by Newcastle going and doing it the following yeah. weekend if you see yeah. what I mean because what was what was stunning about what Newcastle did at United and Everton did the same thing once both of those sides got ahead. It was remarkable how little threat there was on the, on, on their yeah. on their respective goals. You'd have thought, you know, a tidal wave was going to come, and maybe you know you hold on, but neither neither side ever looked like they were under massive pressure or anything like that. So you've got to be careful, I think, to, to, to you know to, to not overstate necessarily. But it's it's to I think it's 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 a, an aspect of where the league is as well. You know that that. You, anyone can take points off anyone, and if that's the case, if the case is that anyone can take points off anyone, then why can't you keep taking points off yeah. teams? Why can't you just keep a ma- keep racking up threes? And that's what what's so interesting about the about the change at nil nil is because he's going. Let's get three. Yeah. You don't need one. Let's get three. Even when it went back to one all, you, you're still seeing. I mean, Lukaku has that run and shot and chance, and you know we're still pushing him forward. And uh, you know, you know what? The back end of the derby was crazy. Yeah. When you think about that for a second, the back end of the derby, it, it's three three with six minutes to go, and no one takes three three. No one. The home side doesn't take three yeah. three, having just been pegged back. The away side, having having thrown away a lead, doesn't take three three. Both sides go no three points. We can get three points here. It's an opportunity to pull three on the board. And that there's just not many sides across the country, even in European football, who are playing with that freedom. Well, now we see this week, it's where the tables turn, isn't it? Because Evan have got to run results against, uh, and run of fixtures against sides that Liverpool have ultimately blown away so far this season. Liverpool going to Tottenham, you've got to go to City, Chelsea coming up as well. So I think the, the sort of if anything they should have learned a lot from each other in the last couple of months and on how to approach these games I think so and I think I, I, I think it's going to be I think that we're now entering one of the, the more interesting parts of the season I do think that Liverpool's results at Hull has undermined them more than um, <coughs> more than, in a sense almost more than it should I think that it's it's made things just a little bit difficult what they've, they've put themselves under the pressure now that they need to they need to grab three back yeah. from one of these from one of these three these these tough away games that are in front of them they need to find a way to claw three three of those points back in one of those games which they haven't done yet I mean you know we're talking about two sides that are very similar in, in, in one or two senses but very different already in another you know, Liverpool under Rodgers haven't won an away game against a top seven, top eight side. They haven't got one on the board yet, uh, let alone looking for two at the Emirates at the weekend. So I think it is going to be, you know, it's going to be tricky for Liverpool. There's a couple of things that are going to have to be learned. But you've got this, you know, you've got this situation now where ultimately if there's there's all over the league every week, there's reasons why Liverpool can go and get three from, mm. certainly from Spurs or Chelsea, uh, from either of those two grounds. You know, there's, there's lots of rationale how you can plausibly state it can happen because th- these are sides that are dropping points everywhere. Chelsea have just conceded three goals in yeah. two consecutive games. Liverpool have done that two weeks ago. They conceded three goals in two consecutive games. Spurs have not impressed yet, whether or not that's a Europa League issue as well as 
trying to bed in a whole raft of new players and they're going to settle you know they're only three points behind Liverpool you know when they've been theoretically in crisis but all of this is still sort of taking itself through and I've done I can't remember ever seeing a league in this country be this fascinating, be this pulsating after 15 games. It's, 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 you know, you're going back to sort of the mid 80s when both Liverpool and Everton could win the league. West Ham would feature 85 86 when United won the first 11 games of the season. I think that there was a strong challenge that season from a, um, from another side. I'm trying to remember Norwich, wasn't it? I think that might, maybe Norwich, someone, came, someone was strong as, as well as West Ham. <laughs> you know, th- th- there is this feeling that, you know, there's nothing's decided yet. Arsenal look impressive, but they're going to, at some point, they're going to run into a difficult, a, a Difficult few games. Well, it's I think that's coming up, isn't it? They do have. They've got City. Well, they've got to go to City. Yeah. They've got to go to City, and that you know, if they can come out, if they can come out to go into City with a point, then they, you know, then I think that, with that. yeah, they'll be delighted with that. And I think that that'll you know, that, that that'll suggest that you know things can things can keep coming for them. But if they don't, and if simultaneously a couple of other sides pick up results, and suddenly there's a top five, because the thing I'm waiting for, and I. I I obviously hope Liverpool are on the right side of it and I wouldn't be averse to seeing Everton on the right side of it is when there's suddenly a five-point gap. Mm. Is when that just begins to widen. It, you'd think it has to at some point, but then Newcastle are now top of the form league. They've won, they've won five of the last six. Yeah. You know, I keep thinking that there's this. It's going to come in and there's going to be a schism, and sides going to find themselves either with what will look very quickly like too much ground to make up on say a top five, but only Arsenal look capable of, of of driving that schism through. City are still poor on the road, Chelsea are still dropping points, Liverpool haven't looked great, but they're hanging on in there. Arsenal are looking, sorry, Everton are looking good, but there's questions over depth and and being able to do it week in, week out. You know, you're waiting for the schism and it's just, it'll be really interesting to see when it comes. Traditionally, I think in your head in English football, you think Christmas period. Yeah. You do, it, it, it is that time of year, but you know, and the, the big one for me is Man United. I mean, you, you know, you look, I'm behind Everton, five behind Everton, um, you know, eight behind what, us, eight behind, and, and twelve Arsenal is it? Uh, maybe even more than yeah. that. Yeah, thirteen Arsenal. Thirteen Arsenal. We'll check that, the tables and everything. That is second. ridiculous amount of points to make up, even to bridge that gap to the top four. Because I mean, you, you look at when you get run of fixtures like Liverpool have had, where you've swept aside those poorer sides. If you get Chelsea, you've got that run of fixtures. You get City, you've got that run of fixtures. Even Everton comes into that run of fixtures. Five points is a lot to make up because you, you've, you know, I don't envisage United going to a Chelsea and picking up three well, points. I don't envisage United going to Goodison and picking up three points. The stats that we're doing the rounds was that from now on to get to break eighty-five points from now until the end of the season, United need to pick up points at the rate of two point seven six points a game, which is which is over the course of a season is 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 hitting the other side of ninety-five points. If you see what yeah. I mean, it's hitting the, the the absolute top ends of any side that's won the league in the last last fifteen twenty years. That's the form that they've now got to go on. I think that's, you know, that's, they don't look capable of that. They simply don't. And that's to break 85 points. To break 80, they've got to go at about 2.5 points, which is tough enough in and of itself. You know, I think that this is, whereas Liverpool are moving along at the rate of two points a game, which pulls you towards 75, yeah. 76. I think it's fascinating. I really, really do. I think that there's so much that can go wrong for both Liverpool and Everton, but then there's so much that can go wrong for practically everyone yeah. else. It's permanently on a knife edge, isn't it, at the moment? Yeah, it's not doing it. It's, you know, I was, I, I can't believe, uh, you know, we were, I was watching the United. Game before the before the game at the weekend for Liverpool. Watch the Newcastle Newcastle United Manchester United game, and then you watch Liverpool. And if there was a nervy ten minutes at Anfield when when West Ham pulled it back to two yeah. one and Gerrard was off the pitch, and we'll talk about that I think in part two. Um, but then there was 
you know, you, you, you're checking your phone and you're getting the info coming in afterwards that I say he's just scored a last minute winner yeah. for Stoke against Chelsea. And you're thinking, you know, that was <coughs> when when you heard that that was 2 1, you thought that was amazing. Yeah. Chelsea get it back to 2 2. You know, it's and it is because not only can this top sort of eight or nine take points off each other, but there is a, a genuine vulnerability for everyone in the country apart from apart from Arsenal and possibly certainly at home, Liverpool. It's funny how sides aren't learning much though, Neil, because. It, with, with things standing as they are, you'd think sides would be terrified to lose games, and they don't seem that way that way inclined. Because you know, you look at Southampton for example. I think they've lost two out of the last three, but drawn one and that's a home to Man City. Yeah, that's not bad considering the results they've uh, the fixture they've had. Yeah, you find the miles off the pace. They're behind Newcastle now. Yeah, it, it's fascinating how one loss. You know, you're looking at who's gained rather than oh, you know, we'll, we'll just meander where we are. Uh, Christian Welch is writing a fantastic column at the moment in the Telegraph, and in there this week he actually stated that you know, Man City are only two points down um, from their away fixtures year on year. Which is which, which is really interesting. Yeah. We're saying that they've got a, a bad away record. They came second in the league last season. You know, we're criticising that away record, but it doesn't take much for them to be to get to the point where they're improving yeah. on what's gone on in previous seasons. Uh, this all is all in the game. City talking on a five point nine. We're going to talk about Liverpool versus West Ham in a second. Don't go anywhere. It's all in the game with David Downey and Neil Atkinson on City Talk 105.9. It is all in the game, City Talk 105.9. Uh, still with Dave here as we're just sort of mooching through the papers and putting it all together as to what's gone on. Um, Luis Suarez now has 14 goals this season from about four games. Um, <laughs> there's, um, there's be, be, Just behind him in the scores table is Aguero on 12. Don't want to talk about Suarez because since, since we last spoke, Dave, he scored about four billion goals, yeah. but um, m- many of which were from you know outside the stadium. And everything. I have a little anecdote about that. Though. I, w- I was away in America this week, and uh, when I was watching the Everton game against Man United in midweek, they have the scores come along the top on NBC. <laughs> so I was sitting there, I was thinking nil nil, thinking you know, I wouldn't mind if uh, Norwich might sneak a goal here, or you know, <laughs> maybe get a draw out of it, and we get a draw at Old Trafford. That'll do. And uh, come come up to twenty minutes, and uh, they just interrupted the coverage of the Everton Man United games to just go. Um, and Luis Suarez has made history tonight and scored a hat trick. Looked at me watching, thinking can't be twenty minutes gone here. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, ridiculous footballer. It was it was it was ridiculous football. Ridiculous football. Uh, from him against Norwich. Um, what was interesting the weekend for Liverpool? There was this patch. Basically, Liverpool, <coughs> Liverpool would be mad this mm. season, and I think that Liverpool's result against West Ham was Liverpool's most traditional result of the season so far. Uh, Dave, it, it unfolded like one of these games of football shoots. Uh, West Ham turned up, looked mildly threatening on the break, yeah. looked decent from set pieces. Liverpool were trying to kick the door down against West Ham. They were trying to get the breakthrough. They were probing and probing, missed a couple of chances, finally just scored. 1-0 half-time, come out second half, get a quick one, straight away, 2-0. Uh, and then the game moves on from there, but suddenly Gerard gets injured and West Ham get one back. And then what happened was something really interesting. For the first time this season, uh, Liverpool effectively took a game away from the opposition without doing it through the medium of scoring goals. Uh, West Ham were the better side for somewhere between five and ten minutes after they got one back. And then Liverpool just reasserted control. And it's the first time we've seen that really without it being without it being crowned by, you know, someone putting in the back of the net from fifty yards mm. because they can. Instead it, you know it was it was very much done by virtue of, of a midfield performance, very much done not not by just simply whipping a great ball and then someone getting on the end of it, though that did go on to happen. It was done by 
clever play and it was done by re-establishing yourself and being patient and getting a foothold in the game and I think it's interesting that that coincides with with Alan's reintroduction to the side proper uh, it was an excellent performance from him. Neil Jones has written something excellent in the uh, in the Echo today that's well worth a read um, about Joe Allen and I think it's I think it's difficult to understate um, a lot of what he did very very well against West Ham it was it, it flipped Liverpool's midfield. It gave it a new dimension, really. Um, it gave there was genuine sort of interchanging going on between Allen, between Coutinho, between mm. Gerrard, between Henderson. Henderson felt more flexible. He was moving right. He was moving left. He was interchanging with Sterling more than anything else. But there was this feeling that anyone can go at any time. Anyone can sit at any time. They were taking turns, and he was cutting off lovely little angles. West Ham couldn't get playing around him. It was a really, really strong performance from him. In a sense, it was it, it became part of what's in one sense at least Liverpool's best performance of the season. Season. Yeah, it's a, it was. I, I did watch the game. Um, it was. It was a lot different to how you'd depict a four-one win, in in the sense of you know we see momentum shifts in football quite a lot. But you know that ten minutes after West Ham got their goal back. There was still wasn't there wasn't a sense of inevitability that this would go to two two. Liverpool began to control the game, and in a way in which you know you're probably looking at that is what you've got to do against these bigger games coming up is finding some sort of level of control in the midfield. And I, I, I mean, I like Joe Allen as a player, um, and. I thought I thought it's taken a lot for him. I think he deserves a lot more credit than what he's been getting for coming back from the derby because that that you know their career wrecking moments. Then yeah, you know you, you can see players immediately say, "What look for the exit door when moments like that happen to them?" And I, I I've always liked him. I thought he was a really intelligent little footballer. But you, when you talk, it's interesting you talk about. You you gone on to win a game four one by not blasting the opposition away by a modicum of control in the midfield area. That's about confidence. That that comes with confidence. I think you know you you you're taking results away. You're taking the ball away from sides. That's much more degrading and battering them with chance after chance after chance because there's physically no chance of them getting back into the game while you've got the football. And I think it, it, it's it's clever. It's, it's obviously pragmatic on Rogers' part as well. And I think it, it's it's a way forward to control matches. And it's probably you probably take more pleasure winning a game like that than you know just being a battering ram because Aldo made the point when West Ham got back into it that Liverpool should have been out of sight. Well, they should have played in that style of football but then when you go and take control of a game like that then you are out of sight just not with the scoreline which did come later it, it comes later and I think what was interesting was I thought uh, West Ham was shattered mm. and that's the other thing What Liverpool, the way the way Liverpool got control back was by being you know having played the game they played up to that point with, with, yeah. with, with slightly more focus on possession having made them run around more and then I thought that you know with the, the fact that everyone had a midweek game you know I thought it was noticeable Liverpool and this was the other thing as you know talking about this traditional performance the one of the big Liverpool Liverpoolian criticisms this season has been second half drop off well Liverpool very much finished that game a lot stronger mm. than West Ham uh, for the first time this season you know I genuinely believe that to be the case when Liverpool went 3-1 it was a question of how many were they going to get to 5 were they maybe even going to get to 6 Suarez could and perhaps should have had a hat-trick in the end just from the chances he had from 75 minutes onwards mm. Is this coincide with Lucas coming on for the last 20 being fresh and, and, and having much more of an impact than say when he's tired when he's looked tired after 70 say? I think that helped I, you know I think it helped I thought it was interesting the, the way in which the entire sort of second half unfolded. Um, I think that Liverpool are in a very, very strange position. We've been saying it quite consistently, really. They're in a strange position with reference to, um, you know, with Gerard in there because Gerard brings them so much. He contributes to so many of Liverpool's goals. Uh, you know, you can't just simply can't underestimate that. Um, but then there is the there is the situation of there's been times where when Liverpool are under the cosh a little bit, you are 
wondering why people are getting away from Gerard a little, e- yeah. a little too easily. There was a point, I think it was in the Norwich game, uh, where you know I thought that Gerard didn't drop back in quickly enough and all that sort of stuff because just simply it's not his game and it's fine mm. that it's not his game. But then all the people have got to take that into account and play around it. All of a sudden, for the first time, the two in a four-two-three-one that Liverpool are playing is a two that traditionally. Both can play that role. Both have spent careers playing that role. And Gerard can play there. We all know he can, but it's ultimately what you're, what you're born to do, and he's not born to do that. Yeah. Whereas Lucas and, and, and Alan, it, it did sort of sit in and mesh a little bit more. How much of a miss is he going to be? Huge. But it's, it's huge in one sense, but it's an opportunity in another. I think it's... Since Brendan Rodgers has, has arrived at Anfield, there hasn't been a period of time where Gerard has missed games. You know, there hasn't been a run yeah. where, it, where it's been without Gerard. And I think that... It's gonna, he's going to be an enormous miss. His, his set-piece delivery is going to be an enormous miss. His influence as a man, he was brilliant with Sterling. He basically coached yeah. Sterling through the game yeah. on Saturday. Um, you know, he, he didn't stop talking to Sterling. and he, he got, I think he, as much as the manager and the nature of the football that was being played, got Sterling's best performance in a year and a half out of him. Thought it was remarkable stuff. All game, just consistently talking to him. Shouting at him when he needed shouting at. Encouraging him when he needed encouraging and just talking and talking. So that <coughs> aspect, I think you're mm. going to miss him. Um... The key question is whether or not what you do or don't miss when you haven't got the ball when we go to these places or even what you've got when we have got the ball in terms of being able to be a little bit more patient now. What what does the side do then firstly? Before we go on to talk about what needs to be done in his absence, what 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 system do you go for? Well, I think you go, you're sticking with it. You're playing pretty much something very similar to what was played at the weekend. You know, it's a four-two-three-one. Effectively, you, you you're dropping Coutinho. You're letting him. The the, the Henderson's. The way Henderson played at the weekend was like a very, 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 very poor man's Thomas Muller. Um, and I, I say that with enormous respect because Thomas Muller is practically my favourite human on the planet. <laughs> um, what he did was basically he, 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 he did the thing that needed doing to allow Coutinho and Sterling to play. So Sterling wants to go right, Henderson will go left. Coutinho wants to pull out left, Henderson will drop into that space. Yeah. He just worked the spaces around those other players. The same way in which, you know, the, the one of the most remarkable things about watching that Bayern Munich side last season was you'd have, you know, you'd have, you'd have Robin and Ribéry and theoretically this shouldn't work because they're both far too attacking. But the reason why is because there's always Thomas Muller yeah. to just to do the thing that they're going to do. And he's not got Muller's end product and he's nowhere near as intelligent a player as Muller. But there was, Henderson was doing a lot of that to allow Coutinho especially to play. Coutinho was flitting everywhere he wanted to, so there needs to be intelligence around him to help him out. And I thought, you know, I thought Henderson did that re- reasonably well. So I think you're ultimately going with a side that's n- no distance away from that one. You're gonna you're gonna go Lucas and Allen in a four-two-three-one. You're gonna stick with Sarko. Please, let's hope you stick with Sarko. Um, you know, Sarko's gonna make the odd mistake. There's no getting away from it. But he got Joe Allen out of trouble on the one on one occasion where Allen was poor, um, and he's ultimately a defender who anticipates that sort of thing defends on the front foot and then you're looking at you know you're looking up higher up the pitch um, at getting the best that you can out of Coutinho and, and, and Suarez supplementing them with Henderson plus one and who the plus one is I think is you know it's again it, it's interesting because I thought Sterling played really well you might want to go with Moses there's the option of Alberto if you're looking for something a little cleverer that doesn't stretch the play quite as much you've got options in there you can still bring Aspas back in if the manager wants to have two up front it would have been nice to see maybe ten minutes of Aspas at the weekend it's there's options there for him around this none of them obviously are Steven Gerrard they haven't got his his quality they haven't got his stature they haven't got his leadership but there's 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 options there which you know it strikes me as fascinating these games can be won in these areas of the pitch Liverpool can feel 
they've got, they should have faith in their spine going to Spurs, and that's a big deal, I think, with going to Spurs. They should have faith in the goalkeeper. They should have faith, certainly, in Sarko. Um, I think there's a couple of... It's still not clear who should play next to him, but they should have faith in Lucas and Allen. There's lots of reasons to have faith in them, and they should have faith in Coutinho and Suarez. And if you're looking at that spine, and then it's, the question is, what are you doing around it? And one of those options is Glenn Johnson. Uh, another one's Jordan Henderson. Mm. Then, you know, you've got two two picks that are a little bit debatable still. What's happening at left-back? Uh, what's happening with the other the other attacking position in there but Liverpool can look at I think they can be they, they can feel as though they can go to Spurs and put an 11 on the pitch that can genuinely compete they can put an 11 on the pitch that should rip Cardiff limb from limb they can put an 11 on the pitch that should be scaring um, John Terry's Chelsea you know they can, they can get at these people that's before we get to City and I think City's a slightly different kettle of fish for Liverpool if we're all quite honest about it um, <clears throat> but I don't think there's anything that they should fear in terms of what can be put on the pitch, they should be able to go to these games and think, this can be all three points. Well, Tottenham's a fascinating one, isn't it? Because, I mean, we've just spoken then in the break about like how poor they've looked at times. They've picked up results where they really simply shouldn't have done. But, you know, you look at them, how many behind Liverpool are they? Three behind Liverpool. Yeah, they've got an excellent away record, Dave. Yeah. And they've got, they've, they've got the, uh, them and um, them and Spurs have got the best away record in the country, uh, frankly. You know, they've played on the roads, they've, 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 you know, they've played eight games and they've won five. At home, they've only won three. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've only won three from seven at home. They've only scored seven goals at home. So, again, I don't think Liverpool need to be you know, they don't need to be scared no. going to White Hart Lane. They need to go there with a plan. They need to go there with a with an awareness as to what it is they're trying to do. But when we were talking before, we were saying that there's no when will the chasm come? Mm. You know, if Liverpool can go to Spurs and can get three points, then that will put them in a situation where the three points ahead of Tottenham Hotspur, there'll be a minimum a minimum of two points ahead of Everton. There'll be a minimum of a point ahead of City. But crucially, no matter what happens elsewhere, they'll they, you know they'll be eight points ahead of Manchester United. They'll be they, they'll be seven points ahead of Southampton. If they can go and beat Tottenham Hotspur, they'll they'll leave people two three wins behind. And Liverpool could see last season when we were poor to start with and then grew into the season as it wore on a little bit. We could see exactly how hard it is in this league when you're at that level and the league's very competitive, to make up three wins. Yeah. Three wins becomes... To get three wins back on someone when you yourself aren't in the best possible form. You, none of these sides I'm talking about, apart from maybe Man United, look like they've got a win in seven from eight running run them. So, you know, you, you don't think... You don't see that come in. So it becomes very difficult then to feel where, where do you get your two, three wins back once you get them ahead. Mm. And I think that, that you know, it would be huge for Liverpool, I think, if they can go to Spurs and win for a variety of reasons, but not least just simply because of the, the, the blood and nail aspect of the thing that is the league table. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at it now. You look at even Newcastle, who've quietly gone about the business, but like you say, top of the form table, they're in seven. Five from six. You know, Newcastle have picked up five from six. And they have Southampton at home next, so you yeah. know, you, you're talking about this chasm. Could well be this weekend. It, that, that, it, that it snaps yeah. open. Uh, and there's also... You United know, to Villa, that's not a gimme for them by any means. No, and the, the other one that's interesting there is, is the is the Arsenal-City game, because mm. if, if Arsenal do win that, and, and let's say Liverpool uh, get a victory, then suddenly they're pulling out a little bit of space on City, which could minimise the, the possible damage done when Liverpool go to Eastlands. We'll talk more about this after the break. This is City Talk 105.9. We're going to um, we're going to look at what is going to be a hectic festive period. Everything and anything football. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9. 
This is all in the game. Says he took one of five point nine Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey. Dave's just trying to sort something else. I'm going to go on to that in a second. I think that this now is pretty much the Christmas period. Uh, I th- you know, oh, thank you, Jake. <laughs> I think this now has become the sort of um, the, these games, the way in which they've, they've mounted up. I think we are we, we can have the jolly music and all that sort of stuff <laughs> in there. I think around them. Normally, I don't like that. I don't think it's I don't like calling Christmas early in any sense other than a footballing one. Uh, in my head, Christmas doesn't start until December the 17th. But I think footballing-wise now, this is the Christmas period, and certainly where Liverpool are concerned. Liverpool's... I can't, I can't keep going onto the, onto the music, Jake. Uh, Liverpool's Christmas... Uh, Potential woes, potential joys kick on from here. Everton have got potential joys all over the place. It would be a shame to see them drop the points that, you know, that, that could happen. Though I think, quietly, I could sort of do with it on a psychological level. Um, it, it's... It's teeing itself up, I think, to to really define a few things, and I think that you know, I've got. I'm going to ask ask Downey the question. He hates me asking him, Go which on. is, what's his minimum acceptable points total for oh. next four? What's your minimum next acceptable four? next four? Because well, uh, my Liverpool's next four. Liverpool's next four. Are Spurs away, um, Cardiff at home, Chelsea and City. So, what's your minimum acceptable from the next four? We've got Fulham home, Swansea away, Sunderland home. I think the next ones are home. It is. I don't know who it is. I'm not entirely sure who it is. I think it... Well, I don't know. Anyway, uh, oh, Southampton. Southampton. Yeah. Um, minimum. Minimum of eight. And I'd begrudge that eight. Two wins, two draws. Minimum of eight. Yeah. Taking you to, to play 19. And I'd still be slightly disappointed with eight. Play 19, uh, 36 points. That's your minimum... Minimum yeah. acceptable requirements. Yeah. So I think we should That's win. Fascinating. Well, the reason why I say eight is because I think we should win the three home games. Yeah. And Swansea's difficult away, but I don't know. It's, uh, it's Everton's home record. It's this still season. Everton. Neil. Everton's, <laughs> well, Everton's home record this season from seven is is, is one four drawn three. three. So it's not you know it's not as though that these Everton whilst the the. the the hardest team to beat in their country. If you look at the losses column, they're still not necessarily, uh, you know, they're not, they're, there's not a record there to put being ruthless. No. So I think eight's reasonable. I don't think eight's unreasonable. I think we'll wipe the floor with Fulham and Sunderland. The other two won't be as straightforward. Okay, then I think it's fascinating because my minimum acceptable is five. Mm. And if my minimum, minimum acceptable is five, then that's you know that's, that's Liverpool onto thirty-five points from nineteen games. That's my absolute sort of. That's what I'd, li- I'd like. I'd like to see Liverpool uh, not lose. Ideally, not lose two of the three tougher ways, and obviously beat Cardiff at home. That's the way in which I'm working this. I think that that's what you're looking at, really. There, and that it will be. Um, you know, I think that if Liverpool can do that, then they're in a stronger position, Dave. You know, I think yeah. they can then look at the turn, look to strengthen <coughs> in January, and, and and kick on. But the fact that you've gone with eight makes me not one thirty-five, makes me one thirty-six or even yeah. thirty-seven. <laughs> uh, that's my sort of this. I'm already trying to think in my head. I think the big problem is, I think Liverpool shouldn't be scared of City. They shouldn't be scared of going to Manchester City, but the reality is that everyone is uh, is finding it tough going to City. There's no one who isn't, and that's the reality of this. And I think that that's you know the Arsenal game is a bit of a marker. If Arsenal can go there and get something, then maybe everyone can start looking at each other and going, "We can go there and get something." Chelsea simultaneously, you know, I've been saying that Chelsea had a bit, you know, you'd fancy it at Chelsea. Chelsea have played seven one six at home. You know, these mm. these are tough fixtures, but Liverpool can go and get something. I think if the from both of these games, if they do it right, last season Liverpool should have took all three points from Stamford Bridge. They can do so again. I think it's it's time to kick on, isn't it, Dave? 
for everyone. Yeah, for the, the time of year, this is just, you know, it's when the Premier League really kicks off. We've had enough of these, like, 5,000 international breaks so far this season or something like that, haven't we? It is that time of year when the games come thick and fast. I mean, I haven't even been sitting there. I've, I've been on holiday and back, and I've played three games since then, since yeah. I've last spoken to you, you know. You've taken seven points from them, and... Uh, you know, it, it does come thick and fast. And it, it doesn't take much to build momentum when the game's coming like that. You know, you talk about building momentum over a two or three week period when you're looking August or November, say, when there's when there are international breaks. It's difficult to build momentum then, but when there's three games a week... And it goes the other way as well. It's easy yeah. to feel as though you're, you're suddenly treading water. Yeah. Arsenal's games there are very, very interesting. Away at City, home to Chelsea, and then away at West Ham. You know, there's there's games there in seasons gone by. You'd have been looking at that going. Arsenal don't fancy them for more than, you know, don't fancy them for more than three points there. And even the three, you'd you'd feel as though they'll find it tough at West Ham. West mm. Ham could get in amongst them and make it uncomfortable for them. I think you know if 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 these things can start to. We're talking about when's the chasm going to come. It could simply go the other way. Yeah. We could be sitting here after the you know after the next three games, and we could be pointing out that the, there's there's a lot of play, there's a lot of sides here that are all within three points of each other back again. You know, Arsenal could come back into the crowd. Liverpool could pick up a couple of draws that at least slow their opponents down, get themselves the three points at Cardiff. Everton could take the eight that you're talking about, mm. and suddenly everyone is all together on 35, 35, 35. Yeah. And then suddenly Man United feel closer because they've got a, a relatively straightforward run of games, although they are finding it difficult at the moment. But if they can put three wins together, then all of a sudden they're no more than five, six, seven points off the pace. I think it's it's massive this time of year. It's become huge. Normally, last season, I think we, you know it was it was false, given that it, it's the uh, year today that United went six clear at the top, um, and it was quite clear exactly who was finishing where yeah. Benitez had got into Chelsea by this point and was obviously pretty much obviously going to guide them to an easy third place finish and the only real question mark was what was happening between Arsenal and Spurs you know Liverpool were, Liverpool were struggling Everton could still get themselves in but it, you felt as though it was probably going to be a bridge too far because mm. the, the, you were even saying then we haven't got the points on the board we needed to have <coughs> whereas yeah. now you know you don't you wouldn't you wouldn't feel comfortable putting your markers down anywhere for anyone um, someone asked me an interesting question at the weekend and I still haven't got an answer to it would you take fourth Guaranteed it now. Would you take fourth? So this, that's that, that's what I was asked, and uh, you know the the the, the calm, rational, sane human prag- pragmatist in me goes, yeah, of course. The actual human, the football supporter, goes no, yeah, and yeah. it's you know I think it's I'd still say no because we'd lose the qualifier. So. <laughs> Um, well, you yeah, haven't got Lukaku then, have you? You haven't got Lukaku oh, well, then. It's all falling apart then. <laughs> Barry might not sign on. Barry then. might not yeah. sign on, etc., uh, etc. Et um, I think it's. <clears throat> I think that's what's the mo- most interesting thing now. Year in, year out, I think if you'd have asked. Arsenal supporters at this stage of the season will give you the FA Cup and fourth. They'd have gone all right. Yeah. Right now, they'd obviously say no. City would say no. Chelsea would say no. United would say yes. Yeah, I think they would. <laughs> United, you know what? I think Moyes would bite your hand off for fourth right now and no trophies. I think so as well. I think it's uh, it's it's becoming increasingly fascinating. I think the other thing to remember: we've lost Gerard to injury. Is you know, it's it's an inten- it's an intensive schedule as well, and that's the key part now as well. You know, you've got to keep these players fit, and certainly the older that's players. That's a sticking point for the side, like Everton. That I was going to say. That is, you know, it's got to be the worry with, for instance, yeah. Barry in there. You're saying about these four games, you'd like to see them kick kick on right the way through and get get, get to the new year, get to 19 games. But realistically, it might be a tough ask for Gareth Barry to start all four of them. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what I said. It might be the worst thing the other day when uh, against Arsenal when McCarthy was suspended for this game against Fulham the lad's obviously young he's absolutely buzzing he's been fantastic for us so far but 
you know, it's nice to see him get a rest when you've got such a hectic schedule coming up. Which is why I wouldn't mind us Everton playing Man City any time in the future because I mean, Gareth Barry get a rest. Yeah, well, it's that sort of imposed rest. I think because he will play if he's fit. That that's the thing about it. Same with Lukaku, he'll play if fit. It's that gulf between Everton starting eleven and the bench. It sort of worries me. I mean, Oviedo's coming in and done a great job. Yeah, Osman's there as well on the bench. Most well, Osman's there. Osman's quite clearly can replace McCarthy in that eleven. I think yeah. it's you know that would and not and certainly against Fulham. You know, not feel as though you're Fulham at home. Not feel as though you're having any major loss mm. of something. But it's when it's when it is Barry and everything that Barry's bringing to Everton. So Suddenly, there, you know, that's not easy. I don't think for yeah. a footballer to come in and do. Well, he's coming up against General Parker as well, isn't he? So, Corporal Parker has been promoted, has he? Corporal Parker's very much Starts been promoted there. Yeah. Um, jumping on minds, leaping up bombs, new manager syndrome as well. Yeah. Um, it's I'm Berbatov, the endlessness. And of I've been trying to get this penalty up for the last 15 minutes. I just can't find it anywhere. I haven't. I still haven't seen. You would the love penalty. it. You I would still, love it. I was going to come. I wanted to commentate live on the penalty, having still not seen it for the first time. I, I'm, I'm obviously. A, it's almost like he wants to miss. Uh, That's how laid back it is. <laughs> he wants to put it wide. He wants the keeper to get it. The keeper could have ran back from the other side of his goal and saved it. It goes in that slow. I can't wait. You know to that see saying? You can throw your hat on it. Or you, throw your jump. you literally could. I can't wait to see it. It'd be absolutely fabulous to watch. All right then, Dave. I'm going to sort of begin to round us up a little bit. Um, Jake, I think is Jake going to try and find this for me? He's very confident yes, he can. Yeah. Uh, so that's how we'll end the show with me seeing Berbatov's penalty for the first time. Um, I only know Google, Jake. So um, there I, he goes. He seems to be. He seems to be nailing this. I think this is all of a sudden. Then it's it's becoming an. an it's becoming a season that you, you sort of you you have on computer games where United do terribly badly and you're <laughs> able to pull your side up higher up the table than you would have expected. Yeah. Um. It's 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 becoming that season. It's whether or not it can continue. Okay. This is Berbatov's penalty. Berbatov steps up, slows down. Wow's there. Oh my word! He just guided that's into the bottom left motion, corner. You know? No, no, that, that that's in real time. I'm, lo- yeah. I'm looking at the lads jogging in. Um. Yeah, just sort of watches the keeper go yeah. down. It's the easiest thing he's ever done in his life. Yeah. It's like I'm aiming for that one lick of paint on the post there. That's ludicrous. Like there's yeah. an X. There's an X on the post somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's absolutely ludicrous from Dimitar Berbatov. Okay, I've enjoyed I'd take him because he said he wants to leave as well, hasn't he? Would you take it? The thing is, I think it's lovely to say that you take Berbatov. He's still a liability. You know? you, exactly. You've got to be, uh, he, would, he would very much slow Liverpool's lightning quick attacks yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He would, he would bring them back to his pace. Obviously. We might have Lucas Lukaku's going though, so... Well, he's, he's going. Yeah. He's going. Can't enjoy this. Can't enjoy this, lads. Um, all right, then. Well, I was trying to wrap this up. Um, I'm trying to wrap this up in a, in a manner that's thought through. And I'm finding that hard whenever I talk about this league this season, these players and these performances. Yeah. Um, the key thing is this. Can Everton keep scoring goals, Dave? Can they have, can Everton score enough goals? I, I think they can, yeah, because they're wasting. It. I, I've said the last two games, we start playing like grown-ups in the final third. We will brush sides apart. I mean, even against Arsenal, four, five, six chances, great positions. The, the final ball's not there. That's down to Ross Barkley. Ross Barkley matures as Everton mature. Everton, don't, Everton starts scoring a lot of goals. Can't believe we haven't even talked about him. We haven't even talked about Barkley. The new Gazza. Not even got a mention. Gascoigne is the shout. Yeah. I think I might be I might be first with that one, you know, Dave. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm like Gascoigne now. <laughs> Gascoigne's like you. Yeah. Uh, this has been all in the game. This is Neil Atkinson and Dave Downey signing off for another week. God knows what we'll be talking about next week. We'll probably be crying. It's all in the game on City Talk 105.9.